0: Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith.
1: We're in a spiritual battle. The enemy is trying to break up homes and we need to be praying for families. The enemy is trying to break down the morals of our nation. And we need to be uplifting God's standard of morality in our nation. The enemy... Is trying to put people in confusion and despair and destroy their lives. We need to bring the good news of the gospel
0: holding forth the word of truth. How many times do we rejoice over other people's victories in Christ? Over their service to the kingdom in acknowledgement for what they've accomplished for the Lord? The small areas, those that aren't publicized much and are usually behind the scenes... In today's message, Pastor Ed challenges us to reconsider how we treat fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen in for practical ways you should give honor and respect to people that have blessed you along the way and for what they've done for others. Now, here's Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 25, with part one of his message entitled, Being People of Honor.
1: Philippians chapter 2. But I think it necessary to send back to you, Ephratus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. Verse 26. For he longs for all of you, and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. And honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. This is a man to honor and a man of honor. Oftentimes, we honor people God doesn't honor. And God honors people we don't even think about. And in the scriptures, we have a man who just appears for a moment in the book of Philippians. His reference is only twice found in scripture, in both in the book of Philippians. But yet in God's hall of fame, his name is written down. What are the qualities, what are the things that makes him a man of honor? What would make you and me people of honor? Epiphratus, uh, his name is not easy to say, and I'm glad we don't have many baby dedications where parents name their children Epiphratus. Uh, I'm glad the names like John and Thomas and Paul and Matthew, those other Christian names, have come down to us. But for some reason, as I said, parents don't often name their children Epiphratus. But this man was honored By the Lord. Uh, I was thinking about the different Hall of Fames across our country. Uh, I know that there's a baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. Uh, There's a football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. And there's the basketball fame in Massachusetts. There's the bowling Hall of Fame in St. Louis and then the Golf Hall of Fame in St. Augustine, Florida, the Cowboy Hall of Fame, and where else but uh, Denver, Colorado, and the Music Hall of Fame in Nashville, Tennessee. And the Old Testament Hall of Fame is found in Hebrews chapter 11, but God has a Hall of Fame where he places men and women of honor. Now, they may not be the people you would think Because we get caught up in the culture. Those people who have achieved some great mark of success, some great notoriety, some public sort of persona, we consider them the people to put in the hall of fame. Uh, But God chose this simple man. Sometimes I'm afraid the church is like the culture after the Vietnam War. My generation failed to honor those who came back from the Vietnam War. And it was a while before a memorial was raised up. They didn't come back to uh, parades. They didn't come back to uh, accolades, those who fought in that war. And there are some Christians who are fighting on the front lines and in the battle line, and we fail to honor them. Well, Paul the Apostle told the church at Philippi, Honor such people. And we're going to look at the descriptive titles. We're going to look at the battle that he went through, the decisions that he had to make. If you look at verse 25, you see the descriptive titles that Paul gives. Epaphroditus. In verse 25, but I think it necessary to send back Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs, a fellow brother. Now, that doesn't hit our ears like it would have a first-century believer. Because in the Christian circles, we're used to calling each other brother, sister. But in New Testament times, they didn't use that term for one another except in the church. Uh, It referred to the deepest type of relationship in a family. He was his brother. Paul the Apostle was born a Jew. He was a different nationality, a different culture, and Hephaer was a pagan, named after a pagan god. They would have never met had not they met Christ. They would have never considered themselves as brothers had not they met Christ. How many of you know that the relationships and the friendships that you have are now because of your relationship to Jesus Christ, the person in the congregation, that's that said, brother or sister? They're as close to you as your earthly family, and sometimes closer because of a spiritual kinship. God brought Paul and Ephratus together, and there was this. Bond of unity that was created because of their relationship to God. Sometimes I notice that people with fond memories remember the church that they were saved in, the church that they grew up in. It's like a homing pigeon, just going back home. And They'll think about the people that prayed for them, the people that encouraged them, the people that walk with them in this Christian walk. There ought to be this family of origin, this spiritual family of origin that we're all a part of. And we ought to be connecting with one another as brothers and sisters, as the family of God. And that's what he's saying here. I think about Jesus. The statement he made that shocked His family. His family had come. And they wanted to spend time with him. They knew how busy he was. And in Luke chapter 8 it says, Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. But they were not able to get near because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Now watch the way he replies. My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. And in Mark's gospel, Jesus says, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. He began a new family, the family of God. And so people who live for Christ, who walk with Christ, who have sold their life out for the kingdom of God, there's a connection that we have. Get connected with the body of Christ. Look at those around you, not just as congregants that attend faith assembly, but as brothers and sisters in the Lord. I think it's good to use that term, brother, sister. It's a biblical term. And he gives him this title, brother. He is a fellow believer. Uh, he calls him also a fellow worker, this person of honor. But I think it necessary to send back Ephroditus, my brother, fellow worker. Notice, fellow worker. Paul lifts him up to an elevated position. Here this man comes as a messenger with a message from the church of Philippi. He comes with some resources financially to give Paul to help pay for the rent and the cost of that house that he was in. And Paul, the apostle, says he's a fellow worker. It's like a carpenter who's skilled saying to his workers, they're co-workers with me. It's like a pianist who's a master pianist looking to the piano tuner and says, boy, we're in the same business. They're, uh, they're a, you know, Panther says, well, he, he lifts people around him up. There are some people you come into their presence and they lift you up. Paul the Apostle wasn't hogging center stage. He brought people alongside of him to work with him. And he lifted them up. And they were involved in the ministry. And he says, here is my fellow worker i remember a friend telling me how his mother was raised up in a very difficult home and she carried into her home her family those difficulties Uh, she was always put down by her parents and she wound up uh, putting down her children when her children attempted to help her around the house maybe paint maybe fix something maybe do something in the garden she would put them down say oh you can't do that don't bother We ought to be the type of people that lift other people up to help them in the work of the Lord. Here, Paul was an apostle who had incredible revelation from God, and yet he's lifting others up to serve in the church. The work that you give and the work that you do in the church is more than a job. It's a calling. In fact, someone illustrated that by uh, this What they wrote, and I'd like to read it to you. In a job, you expect to receive. In a ministry, you expect to give. A job is your choice. A ministry is Christ's call. In a job, giving something to get something. In a ministry, you return something that has already been given to you. A job depends on your abilities. A ministry depends on your availability to God. A job done well brings you praise. A ministry done well brings honor to Christ. Knowing that God has called us to be workers in the kingdom. Not just to be pew warmers. Not just to sit on the sideline. Not just to simply observe. But to participate. He calls them not only... A brother, a fellow worker, but he calls him a fellow soldier. He says, he is my fellow soldier. Perhaps Paul was thinking of the Praetorian guard who were soldiers and how they worked together in harmony. And perhaps he was thinking of the Roman army who would lock shields together. And they would move forward like a giant wall in a battle. He was saying, we are to lock shields together. We are to be soldiers in the army of Christ. We're in a spiritual battle. The enemy is trying to break up homes. And we need to be praying for families. The enemy is trying to break down the morals of our nation. And we need to be uplifting God's standard of morality in our nation. The enemy is trying to put people in confusion and despair and destroy their lives. We need to bring the good news of the gospel, holding forth the word of truth. We're in a battle. We're in spiritual warfare. Paul the apostle says, here are the titles of my brother. He is a brother. He is a fellow worker. He is a soldier in the army of God. And then also, notice what the text says in verse 25. He is a messenger, a minister. That word messenger in the Greek is apostolos. That was someone who was sent. He wasn't an apostle in the sense that Paul was an apostle. One who especially witnessed and had a special role as an overseer. No, he was someone that the church sent. And he was this messenger that came with this message of encouragement to Paul, and with this uh, gift to help Paul out financially. And he was his minister. It, It reminds me of the British Army. In the British Army... Back in the First World War and in, I guess, the Second World War, they used to have men and women who would minister to the officers. They were called Batman and Batwoman. That was the phrase that they used. And these people were especially used to minister to the officers. They would meet their needs. They would help them. Here was someone who was called by God to stand alongside of Paul and minister to his needs. I'm so grateful for the people that God has raised up in our church. Men and women who've come alongside of myself, who've come alongside of other pastors, and who strengthen our hand in the work of the Lord. There are people that I know I could call on to pray, to fast, who will really turn their heart towards the Lord. And we need people who are ministering to the ministers, ministering to those in leadership. And Paul lifts him up and says, he was your messenger and minister. But I want you to see that you could be in the center of God's will doing everything God wants you to do. Be honored by God and yet be struggling. Look at verse twenty. 7 and 23rd, because we see the difficulties he encounters. The difficulties he encounters. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. Epaphroditus almost died. He had a deadly disease, but God had mercy on him. Now, he's in the center of God's will doing God's work, running after God, and Epaphroditus becomes physically ill. I want you to think about that. Paul the Apostle, in the book of Acts, chapter 19, I want to read some verses in chapter 19 of Acts. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even his handkerchief and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick And their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. Why didn't Paul just take out an old handkerchief, an old apron, and just place it on this man? Why didn't he do that? God doesn't always work the same way. God doesn't always move in the same way at different times. There, Ephroditus was sick. He was ill. He had taken a long journey of 800 miles from Philippi to Rome. There, at Rome, he somehow contracted some sickness or maybe on the way there he became ill. And that illness took him to death's door. And Paul says, the mercy of God the mercy of God it wasn't something that Ephroditus earned it wasn't something that he deserved but God in his mercy reached down and healed him we have to be real careful as Christians that we don't suddenly demand of God God you do it my way God I demand that you do this Paul said, it was a mercy. Something we didn't deserve. Something in God's providential grace he gave and he did. Don't judge a person by what they go through. Don't look at another Christian and think, oh, they're suffering in business because they're not a good Christian. Or they're suffering in their body because they're not a good Christian. Or they're going through this in their marriage because they're not a good Christian. Don't do that. Let God evaluate His children. Don't put yourself in the place of God. There this man of honor who God was using who was selfless who was actually risking his life for the cause of God comes into a trial. And so don't always judge on Mere appearance, but he also has a difficult decision to make. There's a difficult illness that he faced, but there was a difficult decision uh, that he had to make. In the text it says, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Here Paul needs Timothy with him. He needs Epaphroditus with him. He needs these men because they're ministering to his need but Paul is practicing what he said in Philippians chapter 2. Don't think only about your own need, but think about the needs of others. Don't only be concerned with your own concerns, but be concerned with the concerns that other people have. Uh, This is what the life of Jesus is all about. Sometimes, We're so captured and captivated by our own pain that we forget anybody's pain around us. This man wasn't like that. He was thinking about them, praying for him, worrying about them, worrying about him. Because they're back there maybe fasting and praying, and he's recovered. And communication then was not like today. If you want to communicate... Today, all you have to do is email a manuscript. You know, Paul didn't have email back then. It it would have taken a long time to get this manuscript of the book of Philippians, at least six weeks to travel that 800 miles. And that's if the weather was good and the travel conditions were good. He couldn't pick up a cell phone. You know, we could communicate with people around the world. Just pick up our cell phone and talk to them or immediately send an email or communicate on the computer. But back then, it was far different. And back then, too, when a person had a serious illness, they weren't expected generally to recover. Today, a person gets a bad diagnosis, and we have hope for recovery. I'm grateful for the society and the time that we live in. But back then, when you came down the death's door, that door was surely going to open. In most cases, it did. But here, God intervened supernaturally and he's healed and he's concerned about people still praying for him, worried about him, concerned about him that's manifesting a Christ-like life
0: being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ this is a wonderful truth taken from the book of Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 And as trying times enter into your life, it's important to continually keep this at the forefront of your thoughts. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, subscribe to our Twitter feed at VOFRadio1. Again, to follow the Voice of Faith Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845 462 Fifty nine fifty five. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.